Taylor Decker's on my all 22 fantasy team, by the way. Stop. Stop it. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Taylor's I don't care, and I'm in the league. I'm just trying to hype up the future of fantasy football here. They told me we could hype it up. Nobody cares about your fantasy team. That's one of the uh, cardinal my rules way. of broadcasting. Regardless of the medium, they don't care. So the strategic component to this game is through the roof. Your predictions, right? Your forecasting in fantasy football into how good is this player? This is gonna it's gonna change the industry. Yeah. yeah. I moved to the old town with goals down. Look at me now. I wrote my goals down. Welcome into the All 22 Podcast. I'm Chris Lombardi and I'm joined by Ray Cotto. Ray, we spent a lot of time reviewing all of the talked about, like most talked about prospects of this 23 class. I think it's time we start to like go through some rankings, right? Uh, I know you and you and Bobby, right, on the last uh, All 22 Podcast, you guys did quarterback. So we don't need to do that. Maybe we do. I don't know. Um, but maybe we do the rest. So do you have any idea of how you want to kind of go about doing this here? I don't know. Do we start with the like one position group that I actually like and enjoy talking about? And then I just slog through the rest of the podcast. Or do we, or do we start with yeah. maybe one of the tougher guys and then we have something to look forward to towards the end. I, uh, <laughs> let's I do, let's, let's do just start that. closest to the ball. Closest to the ball. Okay. So why don't we kick it off that way? But why don't you give your five? I'll give my five and then we'll just debate. Okay. All right. So my top five centers, Joe Titman out of Wisconsin. And then I got uh, second, John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota. Third, I have Luke Weipler out of Ohio State. Fourth, Frederick Juice Scruggs out of Penn State. And fifth, Ricky Stromberg out of Arkansas. Those are my top five centers. And I actually kind of like the centers in this class. That's actually hilarious. I did not do centers. I just did interior offensive linemen. Oh my gosh. <laughs> How many so, of these guys made the list? <laughs> so I have I have uh John Michael Schmitz, Luke Weipler. So I have two. And they are at my four and five of my interior linemen. <laughs> it's interesting because just off just off the top here, I think the if I were to do that, if I were to group them, center and guard is both just interior offensive line. I'm not sure how many guards would have made it over these centers, to be totally honest. Wow. I think I think maybe uh, we've been calling him Avila. It's Avila, which I almost I kind of thought at first, but everyone was it's saying Avila. It's it's anyway. Um, he might be the only guard that would have made a top five interior offensive line grouping there. Uh, I'm also a bit of a coward because. As a strict offensive tackle, Peter Skaronsky does not make my tackle list. I said he's a he's a center, at least the way I see it. And I didn't have him in my top five centers, but if he actually was to So he's not on be, any of your lists? No, no, he's not. What? He's, <laughs> We're off I'm to not, a great I'm, start. We're, we are off to a killer start. No, I, I mean, this is what the people need to hear. I mean, we could come on here and talk, you know, in a bunch mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, uh, hyperbole and cliches about uh, tough and, you know, he's smart and whatever else. But, like, I, I don't see it at, at tackle. On the interior, I don't see it power-wise, right? So he would have to be a center, and I don't think someone's going to move him to center. But if they did, I would probably have him. It's interesting. If he hits, if he, hits he would be my number one center, to be totally honest because of he is athletic, but 
that's such a tough projection. I mean, we could talk about him just outside of the rankings, even though we we spent you know a daily episode on him. But yeah, I think the long and short of Skoronsky is pretty athletic player, but he's got a a bad frame. He I, I don't see it at tackle, and he's not very stout and doesn't have plus play strength. So while a lot of people out there say, well, you can move him inside to guard because he doesn't have the length, and I think he can excel there, I'm not sure he can because of that lack of power. Now, that power did improve from his sophomore to junior season. You see that on tape, so there is some uh, optimism there, I guess, for those who do want to place him on the inside. I'm not saying he can't do it, uh, but I haven't really seen that strength show up just yet on tape, and so to be comfortable with that fully at guard, I just can't get there yet. But at center, where for the most part, these centers and their play strength is usually less than what we see at guard by and large, I think that's the better fit for him. Okay. I mean, I think that's fine. But yeah, let's not go down a rabbit hole. So tell me again, give me your your centers and I'll just kind of debate the two that I had. All right. So yeah. So number one was Joe Tipman uh, out of Wisconsin. Uh, second was John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota. Third was Luke Weipler out of Ohio State. Fourth was Juice Scruggs out of Penn State. And fifth was Arkansas's Ricky Stromberg. Okay. So I, I don't have much to disagree with at all because my four and five interiors were those two centers and they're the same order that you had. The first guy, your Wisconsin guy, I'll admit, didn't watch him. So tell me a little bit about him. I'd be interested to learn. So yeah, he's six six, right? So uh, just off the bat, a little bit of a throwback from what you normally see from centers. He covers a lot of range when on the move. He is bigger, right? Bigger strides, all that good stuff. And he's not stiff. I think that's the big thing is despite being six six, he's not stiff, but naturally he does play a little bit high and can sometimes lose that leverage battle on the interior there, especially if it's a zero tech assignment. But he's smart and he has really good play strength for a center. He's strong. And so to me, I look at the, the inconsistent leverage and the high pad level. And of course you don't want to see that, but it's almost a trade-off to what you see with a lot of other centers who may struggle with their anchor just due to sheer lack of strength or a big frame, which is why they're at center and probably not right guard in the first place. Right. It could be because they snap really well, which is great if so. Um, but so it's just a different flavor of struggling to anchor at some points, but he's got a nice frame. He moves well for having plus size there at six, six. I like that length on the inside too, uh, when he can anchor well and, and get, uh, win the leverage battle there, then that length really helps him and can keep that quarterback, uh, really clean in the center of the pocket there and also get some movement in the run game. So I like that potential there. And, and I mean, Wisconsin's got the, the history, right? You, I don't like to helmet scout. No one does, but I mean, there is some proof of concept there. It's just a long lineage of, of good linemen interior and on the edge and on tape, he just looks like the next one up. You kind of sold me immediately off the jump because six, six, right? Like who, who has been the most successful center in the NFL the last two years? It's Creed Humphrey, right? Humphrey, and yeah. just a massive human being at center. Obviously it's more than just size that, you know, it takes to, to be that successful, but you know, you telling me that this guy's the number one on your list, definitely somebody I'm going to go back and watch. Um, and I was just going through the beast, uh, the athletics draft guide by Dan Brugler, and that's his number one too. So, um, definitely a miss on my part. So I'll definitely go and check that out, but why don't you tell me your 
top five guards now, and then I will kind of compare from there. Yeah, so at guard, uh, got Steve Avila to Antonio Mafi, Antonio Mafi from UCLA. Uh, three, Osiris Torrance from Florida. Four, I have City So, if I'm saying that correctly, out of Eastern Michigan, and five, Chandler Zavala out of uh, NC State. Okay, so mine, Steve Avila to Antonio Mafi. So we're the same there. Uh, my three was Andrew Voorhees. My four was John Michael Schmidt, who's center, right? Because I did interior and five was Luke Weipler. So if I remove those two, the other guy I had on my list that was a guard that I actually had at six was Osiris Torrance. So I would have to slide him in at four. So let's just kind of use that as the base since that's what I have. Um, so I think just the big disagreement, I guess, that you and I are going to have is on Osiris Torrance, um, just because that's a big difference there. For, for me, you know, obviously ideal height, weight, love that. Uh, but he's he just doesn't really move well. He has poor footwork. Um, his 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 feet are super heavy. He doesn't use his lower body like almost at all. Um, and it's just he's not very physical, right? For this huge human being, I wanted to see physicality, and I didn't see it. So for me, we're just betting on size, right? Like him making this list at all is us just betting on his size and a little bit the experience because he did play you know, a lot of games. I don't have a snap count in front of me, but he did play a lot of snaps. Uh, but I just don't see it as he's a really good prospect with great skills. He's definitely not skilled. And that's the thing, right? You're, you're betting yes on the size. And I don't know, maybe he, it's, I don't want to say the temperament, but basically the temperament with which he plays just develops. Um, because he doesn't take the opportunity to bury players when he has the chance to do so. He doesn't play up to his size on the interior. Like I said, he's that he's that big kid in your crew who wants to take the fadeaway jumpers when you're playing pickup ball instead of just posting up down low and actually just banging with people in the post, which is super frustrating. And I think, like I mentioned, maybe only my first two guards would have been in my top five if I had just done interior offensive linemen because I think there's a big tear break after Avila and Mafi when it comes to guards overall. And it's not because uh, Torrance physically can't be in that tier because both of those first two guards, they don't have the lightest of feet either. And, and this athleticism that Torrance doesn't possess, it's just that they play to their strengths where Torrance really doesn't. So uh, yeah, I don't disagree with you. It's, 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 it's a bit of a minefield navigating the interior offensive line, to be honest, just as a whole for this class. I'm not sure there's very many quality starters in this class I, I, I because there's with guys who have the potential to do so, like Torrance, there's risk there. And you see on tape, they don't really sell you on it. They're not consistent. They're not playing consistently up to where they could be. So you're taking a bit of a gamble. It's it's not a good year to need a guard <laughs> if you're an NFL team or an all-22 franchise. Right. And then the other guy that we agree on, we both had as our number two, Antonio Mafi. Pretty interesting because, and, and it's weird that we both had that the same because that's not a common belief. He's pretty farther down a lot of other people's boards. So for me, I just thought, you know, he's one of the best blockers I saw uh, with with the way he uses his length the way he uses his flexibility. He's, he's a really, um, he's, he's one of the more polished guards that we see. Right. And that's kind of my knock on Torrance. 
I saw that in Mafi, right? He's 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 established. So, like, what, did you agree with that? What what did you see? He's just a mean sob, and I love that. And he he knows what he's good at and plays to it sometimes to a fault because he knows he's there to just to just beat people up. And sometimes he's a little over aggressive, and that can cost him. So uh, he may not grade the second highest out of any guard in this draft, right? I'm sure coming out of this draft class, I mean, there always is just law of averages. There's probably going to be a handful of starters uh, for multi, multi-year starters at guard. And he probably won't be the second highest grader of the group overall because he is over aggressive and can get himself into trouble at times, but he is who he is. He's aggressive. He plays aggressive. He blocks aggressive. He processes aggressively, right? Sometimes too aggressively and can make too quick of a decision and allow some delayed blitzes and such to, to get to his quarterback. But he is who he is and he plays to that. And I love that about a player because you can work with that. Uh, whereas Osiris Torrance doesn't seem to accept who he is as a player. Right. And, and I said that, right? When we had our smaller podcast on the daily like we said, he's just a violent dude, right? And like, you got to love that. But the guy I had on my list, Andrew Voorhees, you didn't, correct? Yeah, I, I did not have him. Uh, I have I have some concerns with with Voorhees, and it sucks because he he won me over as a fan with with bench pressing at the at the combine on the tourney and everything else, and you hate to see that happen to him. But there's that wasn't the first major injury of his career or in recent years, right? He's had some foot issues. I believe he had another knee issue as well. So that's a knock. By the time he's going to be able to play an NFL snap, he's already going to be 25 years old. So you don't love to see that either, right? Um, And just athletically, he's not a a super plus athlete either. So uh, he's, he's, he's a bit upright, a little bit stiff, um, you know, his hands are a little bit, uh, they're not the greatest, but that can always be worked on. And and I think he's got the temperament to continue to improve in that area in the league. Uh, I just think medically, I'm not sure his body can hold up and he's not the most fluid athlete or the, the best bender, a little upright, a little top heavy, and that can get exposed in the NFL. And if you've got weak knees to go along with that and uh, yeah, I'm just, I don't think it, it bodes well for his profile long-term. I'm rooting for him. I don't see how anyone could not root for him, but I have some concerns just about his overall profile. Right. And I think, you know, it's just, it's not a good class and that's why he's this high on my list. But I agree with you. Like you don't want to draft a 25 year old rookie. Like it's just never a good sign. The thing that I loved about him that I saw in his game was that I think he offers some very unique positional flexibility because of his size. He played 400 snaps at left tackle at USC in 2021. He played uh, in 2017 and 2018 at right guard. And then he played at 2021 and 2022, mostly at left guard, right? So that's three positions on the offensive line that he has familiarity with uh, in college, right? So he's going to the pros, offering that to a team. And I think that's very valuable. And I know, you know, me being a Packer fan, I see that with a lot of the guys we draft. We draft guys like that. So um, I know how valuable it is when a guy like Bakhtiari goes down and you need somebody to slide over, right? It's it's huge to have that flexibility, and I think it goes a long way. Um, to me, that's very valuable, and it puts him ahead of some of these other guys. I'm rooting for him. I would love for you to be right. So, 
All right. Put it that way. Any other comments on the interior? Oh, goodness, no. Um, I mean, if if I'll just give a quick blurb on on uh, Chandler Zavala and uh, from NC State, I think he's just a sturdy player, right? He he's he's got a nice wide frame. Uh, he's strong, but similar to kind of what I mentioned with Voorhees, not a great bender, can get high, and not the best frame as far as length goes. So. Again, one of those guys who may find his way into a starting lineup in the NFL for a few years, but not sure he's ever going to be in the top half of the of starters at that position during his career. Uh, and then City So, if I'm saying that correctly, uh, from Eastern Michigan, uh, similar guys. He's he's big, six four, by around three twenty ish. Um, pretty athletic on tape. I like the way he moved. Uh, also a little top heavy, inconsistent hands. Not the best technique pretty raw overall, but give me a 320 pounder who seems pretty athletic and I'll take a shot, especially in a class like this. Awesome. Okay. Let's move to tackle. Give me your top five. All right. Uh, tackles. Number one, Paris Johnson jr. Out of Ohio state. Uh, number two is Darnell Wright from Tennessee. Three is Broderick Jones from Georgia. Four is Dewand Jones from Ohio State, and at five, I have Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma. Okay. Mine's definitely different because – all right, I'll just do it. So number one is Paris Johnson Jr. Number two is Cody Malk. Three is Peter Skronsky. Four is Broderick Jones. And five is Anton Harrison. So mine is different because I think two of the guys on my list probably won't end up playing tackle, right? But, but that's what they're – coming out at that's what they played in college so that's where i put them if i take those guys out i think it's darnell wright would be at four and then jones would be at five um ohio state jones so i say yeah dewan yep dewan jones so uh paris johnson jr broderick jones anton harrison darnell wright the other jones um but okay so you don't have Cody White, uh, sorry, Cody March then on any of your lists. I don't. I thought about him at guard, but uh, he didn't sell me. <laughs> I just, I just wasn't sold overall. Um, yeah, I get it. Uh, the, the whole uh, like toothless tough guy thing, and I think that's great. Um, but another one who's twenty four plus years old already, and. A better athlete, actually, than I thought he would be on tape, to be to be totally honest. But it didn't jump off the page to me where I thought, okay, if I slide him in, well, off the bat, I, I'm not comfortable with him at, on the edge at tackle. I think that's that's from the jump. And then overall, at, at, at guard, I just I didn't see enough there to make me think he could be a people mover against some of the interior linemen in the NFL on the inside. So I was just kind of caught in between, which I guess it makes sense. He's kind of a tweener just to me. I think that's the best way to put it. He's a bit of a tweener. So I, I couldn't find a spot for him. And if I want to draft somebody, uh, I get an all 22. We're just basically at the mercy of, of their franchise and where they put them and where they ultimately end up playing. And, but just as a whole, as an evaluator, I like to draft someone that I see a clear plan for. And I'm comfortable with that plan. And I didn't see that with, with Mal. Okay. So reasons why I disagree. So I'll, I'll combat that. 
Uh, he's one of the guys that I thought was extremely advanced in his technique. He's an older prospect. Makes sense, right? Not not going to argue that much. Um, I think that he moves well. His lower body, you know, it's strong. He he has good form. He isn't afraid to get dirty. He did all of those things really well, which are all things that I love about offensive tackles. Um, I think the other thing that I would say, he uses his arm length and his hands really well, like huge positive for him. And talked about it a minute ago. I'm a Packer fan. I watched David Bakhtiari. There's a lot of that to his game. And if you look at their size, I don't necessarily see why Cody can't play tackle. So Bakhtiari, when he came out, was 6'4", 299, right? So very small, if you if you want to say that about a tackle. But his form was incredible. So Cody, on the other hand, 6'5", 302. So it's very similar size and is actually a better athlete, right? So 82 percentile on bench press, 84 on the 20-yard shuttle, 93 percentile on three-cone drill, 82 percentile on the 40-yard dash. So we're talking about a guy that's as athletic as any tackle that you're going to be looking at in this draft. I see it. Oh, easy, like I, easy. Paris Johnson is, uh, let's, let's take it a little easy there. <laughs> I'm talking about a guy that scored over 80% on almost every competition that he did. That's, that's just as good, right? What did Paris Johnson do? I don't know. I don't have it in front of me, but um, I think he can do it. I'm rooting for him. I think he can do it. So here's, here's one thing I, I'd say, and, and, Maybe I should be factoring it more because I I, I mostly watched uh, his 2022 stuff, right? But I mean, he did have a strained MCL this past year. When I watched him, and this this could play a part in this. When I watched him, I felt that he was just things move really quickly on the interior, right? And so, if that's where I'm projecting him, which is which is where I would. I need I need him to be quicker with his hands. I need him to be a little bit quicker with with his feet and anchor. And I, I didn't quite see that. I thought he was a little late to recognize certain things when it came to those ga- gap exchanges and stunts and games on from the defensive line. The frame is there. I get he tested well. I just I want to see more of that translate on tape, and I didn't quite see that enough. And and he wasn't. All, he, I mean, yeah, I just it, it could it, it totally could. And would it shock me? No, I don't think it would shock me, but I wasn't sold. I wasn't completely sold. Okay. If I so drafted you, him, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night if I was like, okay, this is the guy protecting my quarterback's blind side. I, and I think that's fair. And I think that's fair. The The other guy we disagreed on pretty significantly is Darnell Wright. So another guy that I just think is us, we're just, we're just saying he's big. And people are just like, this is a big dude, so he's going to be great. And I just don't think he's got the skills to be successful um, at, at, the, at the level that I want my tackle to be. And, and that's not to say he couldn't be, because there are tackles that get by on being just big dudes. Um, but to me, there was so much to his game that I didn't like. And I think when he handled Bull Rush, like it, it, it made sense, right? People coming directly at him, he has a huge frame, he handles them. He, he beats them up. You, you're not going to win if you Bull Rush him. But anytime you use a, a move on him and you use your quickness, this dude lost. Like I, I just picture him going against like a Von Miller in the NFL and it would be a nightmare. Like if you don't just put a running, a running back to help him, it would be a nightmare. So tell me like, do you, what did you see? I would not want him on uh, going against Von Miller for sure. Um, I would see him as a right tackle only. I could also really see him at guard 
and I think he might be at the top of my list, or, or he would be at the top of my list if he moved inside to guard. I think it's less likely to happen because I feel like people are going to see six five plus, and I think he is does well enough at guard at what he does well to not make the switch. I think someone's going to invest in him as a tackle, even as a right tackle, and not move him inside. But I would love to see it because I think the play strength is there. He is a young player, right? We're talking someone who's 21 years old. Um, and he did handle himself well against good competition on tape. He can overextend, uh, get a little top heavy, and that's where the the opposing speed on the edge could really bite him. So I think there's some boom or bust there. But again, in this tackle class, that's still good enough for me to to be in in the in my top group there at at, at two. So um, I to me, he's my second best tackle because of that, because of what he does well. And if he leans into that, it's good enough to be a pretty good starter. But based off of what you describe and some of your concerns that you have about him, I agree with all those concerns and why I, that's also why I would really like to see him at guard. If he moves to guard, I agree. I think he'd be my number one guy because that's, that's what you need at guard. You need a guy that's big. He, he proved he's quick enough at the combine. He would do incredible. Love that. But I think you're right. And I think, my question is, of these tackles, in a normal class, how many of them would be first-round draft picks? Paris Johnson and Paris Johnson. Maybe Darnell Wright would sneak into the very late first. I could see, I could see Broderick Jones also being a late first. I mean, remember, tackles, yeah. people can bet on traits. So similar to some other positions, I, I think – People will reach for some, even if their tape might be top 45 to 50. If they have good traits, they'll get taken in the top 30. So I could see, even in a normal year, uh, Darnell Wright and Broderick Jones being, you know, maybe in that 24 to 32 range. So I'll say three. Sure. I think so, a question we asked on social media recently was when would you take a center, right, in a, in a draft, or when would you take a guard in the draft? And I think those are concerns that I have, right? In all 22, you're going to deal with that that conundrum, right? These guys are going to get drafted in the first round, some of them, like a Peter Skronsky. He might play guard, and he might be drafted in the first round. Are you willing to do that in all 22, or are you willing to wait till the third or fourth round to start doing things like that? But I think NFL teams are starting to think that way as well, right? So while I agree with you, I think Paris Johnson Jr. and maybe a Broderick Jones are, in a normal year, would still be first-round picks. I don't know if that's the same with a guy like Skronsky or Dar Darnell Wright, who inevitably might be pushed to the inside. So that would be my argument. But another tackle that I thought was pretty good, and I think we both had him pretty similarly ranked, is Anton Harrison. And I don't really see him get talked about that much by other people, so I wanted to give him a little spotlight, just because I thought he was one of the best players in this draft at using his leverage. Um, and it was one of my biggest concerns about a lot of players on the offensive line in this draft, is they do not do that enough. But he did. He 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 uses his legs. He gets low. He he gets under defenders, and he does it consistently. Um, so I really like that about him. Um, he reminded me a little bit of your boy from last year, Akima Kwanu, uh, just in the fact that he uses his upper body a little bit as like a weapon, uh, which isn't necessarily my favorite thing for for a tackle, right? I like to see a tackle use their arms. Love that for inside guys. But um, but I did like a lot about him. So just curious if you had any other notes on him. Yeah, I mean, he's he's at a high level, just a good athlete with a good frame, 
but pretty inconsistent. He is nimble. Uh, like you mentioned, he, he uses his upper body as a weapon. He's kind of like a hip tosser at times. And it's like, Hey, you don't, you know, why don't we just get a consistent punch and use your athleticism? It'll work wonders for you. Right. Uh, and he doesn't always do that. And sometimes his feet get lazy. So he's susceptible to holding as a result. Uh, he actually reminds me a decent amount of Tyler Smith from last year's class. Uh, also, I think uh, Harrison is also really young and maybe just turned 21, if, if I recall correctly. So also a young prospect like Tyler Smith was. I think Smith was more of a violent finisher. And that's what caused him to be susceptible to a lot of flags for holding, whereas Harrison is more so he'll win initially, but then on those counter moves, he won't bring his feet with him. And then he gets caught uh, overextending and there's an obvious hold there in front of the ref and the flag is thrown. So it's more about consistency with Harrison than anything else, but the athleticism and the frame are there and he's a young moldable prospect. So he's fifth on my list because of those inconsistencies, but he could, he could end up anywhere uh, from two to five. And I wouldn't be surprised as far as overall tackles go from this class. Right. And I think he would be a guy that a team might target as a trade-in, right? Cause you want that fifth year option if he's a young guy. So would love to see him actually fall into the first round of this year's draft, even though I don't necessarily think he's a first round prospect in other years. Uh, but okay. We're moving from the ball. So tight end. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right. Let's do tight end. Uh, where did I put in my notes? Okay. So Tight end, I'm going to start some discussion here. Number one for me is Darnell Washington from Georgia. Number two uh, is Dalton Kincaid. Number three is Michael Mayer. I have uh, Luke Musgrave at four and Sam Laporta at five. I'm sure that's different probably from what you and many other people have. Right. So Michael Mayer is my number one. Dalton Kincaid is my number two. Washington is three. Laporta is four and Musgrave is five. So maybe not as far off um, as maybe you would have thought, but okay. So you have Darnell Washington being your number one. I know you're a traits guy. So tell me what you like about him. Yeah. I, so it's, it's the overall theme of this tight end class, right? A lot of good players, a lot of good players, but which one can I point to and say, because of this trait or because of this, can I truly say you'll be better than, say, Dawson Knox or Cole Komet? I can't really say that for them. I, 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 I can't. Dalton Kincaid is like almost as old as those guys, maybe even as old as those guys. Uh, they're good players, but I don't see anything that's next level or gets them uh, into the top six or so starting tight ends in the league. And Darnell Washington doesn't have the most well-rounded tape of those guys because you really don't see much in the passing game from him uh, in that Georgia offense. But there's no one else like him in this class. He has the superstar build. He's a badass run blocker, and he's tough. And when he has been targeted in the passing game, he's shown some yak ability and some downfield ability and a big catch radius. So it's definitely a, a pure upside play for sure, but... That's something I could point to and go, no other prospect in this class has it. Any other tight end prospect in this class can hit their ceiling and still not bring to the table what Dar Darnell Washington could because of his physical gifts. Okay. So the reason I disagree with having him as my number one, even though I agree with almost everything you said, is unlike the tackle position where 
were saying Paris Johnson's the number one, even though maybe he doesn't have the best tape of the tackles that are available. We think that he has the tools because none of the other guys are really that special. I do think there there are special tight ends in this class, even if they aren't the toolsiest. So like that's why to me, Michael Mayer being the number one makes sense, right? He's he's a guy that is built like an NFL tight end. He's not super undersized or anything like that. Um, he's a great blocker. He showed that consistently and he has very good receiving ability. Like before, before uh, maybe people got into the whole Dalton Kincaid thing, they would say Michael Mayer was like one of the best receiving tight ends we've seen. Right. And that's on top of being a great blocker. Um, so I, I love that about him. Right. And, and he's a consistent receiver, right? He, he had a ton of receptions. He had a ton of yards. He did that consistently. Washington was the number two tight end on his team, not to like take anything away from him because of that, because the number one guy is so special, but I really didn't see a lot on tape of what he could be not saying he can't be it, but I don't know if I want to just bet everything on a guy like him panning out when there are other guys that are special already and have shown that. Michael Mayer frustrates me because I'm not sure. Yeah. You said what you said is, is correct, but I don't see the burst. I don't see the burst. I, I need to see something that's like, Whoa, okay. Yeah. That's not something I'll see on tape. If I turn on tape of another, uh, another tight end prospect in this class or what I might have in my tight end room right now that I don't see from him. It's more so he's a big bone, consistent player. And like, that's cool. That's great. But like, I mean, there's that, that that's one concern. The other concern I have is that his wingspan is like less than his height, which is ridiculous to me. It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Uh, it, it's, it's a really weird build. Um, I, I, he might just be maxed out. And I am concerned that a lot of his production was volume based in that uh, Notre Dame offense because it was not a good offense. And he was the pretty much the only target there, uh, the only effective target there at Notre Dame. So I don't want to be, I, I'm, I'm worried that I might be blinded by volume stats and, and not looking at, okay, what's he going to be like in three years? If I project three years ahead, what is what is he better at, or what's the difference between him in twenty twenty six versus today? What is different? I don't know if anything's different, but I would say that you're getting three years of production that you might not get from the other guys, right? We talked about Michael Mayer being maybe the only one of these guys that can run a full route tree, right? So he's going to step into an NFL team immediately and be able to do that and bring that to the table. So you might be able to actually play him in year one and in year two, where tight ends typically take a long time to play. Washington might not meet the snap count minimum most years because if he's being used as a as a, a blocking t uh, tight end, that's only going to play on some plays, right? It's only going to play sometimes. Um, I think it's going to take him some time to develop as a receiver, right? So it might be – so the difference between the two, I'd say, is you might be able to start Michael Mayer from day one Darnell Washington, you might not be able to play till year three or four. And to me, that's that's important. And I'm not saying year five, Darnell Washington won't be better, but that's a you're you're gambling. I'd have to have a word with the coach who doesn't put Darnell Washington in for more than 20 snaps a game or so, because that dude will beat the hell out of someone who's lined up in front of him at least 20 times per game if you have him on the line. So uh yeah, I, I would have an issue with that. But it's a good point. Yes, he's he is more of a ready-made contributor, and and that matters, especially with young tight ends, because yes, as we've seen, it takes him a really long time. And of late, 
those young tight ends really haven't broken into the upper echelon of the league, except for maybe Hawkinson. I'm sure I'm missing a name or two, but for the most part, it's it's been the same top tight ends for years and no one else has broken in there, right? You've got you've got your Kelsey, you've had a Waller for a bit, but those guys as they're aging out, no one else has really stepped up to be that elite top flight tight end. Just Just Andrews. Andrews. Yep. And he was pretty much from day one too, just about. So Right. And I see, Mm -hmm. not, not that I don't say, no, 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 (laughs) totally not. But I see like, you watch Andrews and like, think about it. He got, he was the second tight end taken on that team for, I think the reasons that you're stating why not to draft mayor, right? It's like, okay, he's good, but like, is he going to grow into something like amazing or does he have these other skills? And it's like, well, he's, he's really good. So like, you know, you might pass on him for another guy, but like at the end of the day, those are the guys that are going to be good in the NFL, the guys that like have the skills to be special. But okay, we'll, we'll disagree. So those, those are good points there, though. I, I, I like that. I, I like that discussion because those are all totally fair points. What else did we have different? So I had Mayor, Kincaid, Washington, Laporta, and Musgrave. What, what was different from yours? Yeah, I think, I think it's just, I think it's just the order. Uh, okay. I had Kincaid two, I had Mayer at three, I had Musgrave at four and Laporta at five. So I think it's just more so a shuffle at the top, but same handful of guys there. Um, so you sent me, about- you sent me a tight end to watch and I did Brenton strange out of Penn state. Do you want to talk about him at all? And like, I'm curious if you, if you ended up ranking more guys, like where this guy fell, cause you did text me to him, like, as if you thought maybe he had some, like, I thought he was going to maybe make your list. I wanted to recuse myself, which is why I didn't put him on a list. But I I, want to hear your thoughts because I could, I mean, I could talk about it for 15 minutes if we wanted to, but what was your initial takeaway from him? Because it's, it's different if, if I hear the fresh eyes perspective of someone as opposed to someone who's been following him since he was in high school in West Virginia and pretty much seen every snap the last four years. It's, I want to hear your fresh eyes perspective. Sure. Um, A lot of his tape, and the way they got him the ball as a receiver seemed gimmicky to me. Um, I also saw build-wise, like I didn't love his his build. It's it's not the guy I would typically go to. And I and that's me saying like I just watched his tape and didn't look at his combine profile or anything like that. So I don't even know like really what yeah. his size scale is. He's very short armed. He's he's wide, short arm, not great length, which you kind of see. Yeah, you see that. And then I think um a lot of dink and dunk stuff and like Cause I am the comp guy. You're going to hate this, but like he reminded me a lot of like Randy Moss's son from a few years ago. <laughs> Thaddeus Moss. <laughs> Thaddeus Moss. And it's just like, he's not really a good player. He's, he's okay. Like he, he's good enough to make an NFL roster. Like I'll say that, but like I wouldn't touch him with a 10 foot pole. All right. So I'm going to say Sean Clifford was his quarterback. That's number one. Um, so offensive coordinator had to be very creative in order to get his weapons, the ball like that. Sean Clifford um, beat out Will Levis. Let's not forget. Like, Oh yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> How much time do we have to on this podcast to talk about that one? Um, it's not. <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think he's a good yak player, probably a little bit better than you giving him credit for. Cause I think there's some spring in his legs. I think he, I mean, you saw it in Purdue. He had that big play before halftime for the touchdown there, like 68 yards or something like that. And then there's other times, like you mentioned, it is a little gimmicky. They'll get him the ball on some screens because he is, he's been a hurdler at times, right? He'll find a way to, to get some extra yards after the catch. He's not a typical, just 
catch the ball in a hole in the zone, fall down tight end, right? He's, uh, he's, there's more to his game than that as far as uh, once the ball is in his hand goes. There were a few plays, uh, I think Auburn in particular, where he really, really showed some punishment as a run blocker. Uh, the big Nick Singleton run that everyone loves to, to highlight there, there was a badass block, I think maybe two blocks from Strange on that one play. Uh, just on the whole, he's, been, he's hit and miss as a blocker, but when he hits, it's, he brings some thud to him that you probably wouldn't expect by looking at his frame. So mm-hmm. I think overall, I kind of had him just in my head as a low-end starter, probably a high-end tight end two in the NFL. Like the kind of guy that goes to like, I don't know, a team in the NFC North and you're sitting down on Thanksgiving day and it's like the Vikings versus the lions. And then like randomly this guy has six catches for 78 yards and two touchdowns because on one play he like broke a tackle and, and got 35 yards after the catch and caught like two passes near the goal line. Um, so yeah, by no means did I want you to watch him because I thought he could be a, you know, top 15 tight end in the league or anything like that as a starter. But He's been getting some buzz from the Kuiper McShay realm and that side of of draft media, and it just kind of interested me because I, I wasn't anticipating him to be a day two type pick, and that's kind of how they're talking about him now. It could be smokescreen type stuff, but normally those guys are actually pretty plugged in when it comes to where a prospect will go. I won't mm-hmm. listen to their take necessarily, right? But. Um, that that just kind of piqued my interest, and I said, "Okay, I've seen. There's nothing I can go back and watch that'll make me change what I already have in my head as as him as a player." So I wanted to hear your thoughts on it. Sure, and I think and if that, he does get taken in the first three rounds, I may I may give you a homework pizza. assignment. <laughs> well, you already owe, owe me some Joe's pizza, but yeah. I may have to assign you homework to watch like every snap. <laughs> sure, yeah, and I think that it's. It, other reasons, right? It's like, I didn't love his blocking. He doesn't look like he has the frame to be a true NFL blocking tight end. And then the yak stuff. I agree with you. I think he, he does have better than average yak ability. Um, but I don't know if when he gets to the NFL because of his like lack of route running skills, if it's just, that just won't happen. Like it'll have to be gimmicky to your last point. What you said about like the rumors about him coming up draft boards, could happen, right? There was a few years ago, there was tight ends getting picked left and right that like people didn't even scout before the draft. The Patriots and the Packers were taking guys nobody ever heard of, and it was like round two. So it could happen, right? Like tight end is a very strange position. We said that on- No pun. Nice. We said that on the uh, the daily episode though, right? Like it's like, we're ranking these guys with, with how we think that they should be taken, but like the NFL might view these guys completely different, right? And some teams like probably to their- deficit is they draft for scheme a little bit too much and they think like oh this this you said it like an f back you know he's going to play some tight end he's going to play some like in the backfield as like a lead blocker or running routes out of the backfield and it's just like okay that'll work on two plays in your game plan but like it's just not really it's not going to give you a consistently good football player but okay let's too much do you want to do running back or receiver let's do running back I like I, I like the depth here at running back. Um, so one and two, probably no surprise to have Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs uh, out of Texas and Alabama, respectively. At three, I have Devin A. Chain. At four, I have Tank Bigsby, and at five, I have Tajay Spears. I do have uh, Kendra Miller as a bonus guy at at six because, uh, but, but the, uh, you know, there's, there's more. I, I mean, there's also Zach Evans and some other talented backs in this class. So it, it's a deep class, but. 
That's my top five. Robinson, Gibbs, A-Chain, Bigsby, and Spears. Cool. So to your point about like there's other guys, I think the draft community is just getting so much better at finding these running backs because like last year, you know, Houston goes and drafts a guy um, that we should have spent more attention on, had, you know, had more time watching this film. We just didn't, right? And I think the draft community, because running back is such an important position in fantasy that people are starting to find these guys. Um, and I think that there's probably 12 running backs in this draft that should be drafted in the top three or four rounds of a draft. Um, so it's, it's, it's special. Like it's really a special class. So mine was Robinson, Gibbs, Miller, Vaughn, Bigsby, and then Zach Evans was my bonus at six. So a little bit different than yours. So Robinson and Gibbs, that's where we both started. I don't think anybody's debating that. And I honestly haven't heard anybody have anybody ranked above those two guys. So I think we can just say they're great players. We don't have to talk too much about them. Um, so starting at three, you had you had A-Chain. Yep. I did not have him in mind. Yeah, I did not have A-Chain in mind. Uh, for me, A-Chain... I'm going to say this and you're not going to like it, but he reminds me a lot of those running backs that get taken and become just like more special teams. No, no more like special teams oriented, <laughs> like, the, like the majority of the roles on special teams. And then they get a few snaps on offense and they try to get like, make some plays that should work for them. I think we saw that a little bit last year with James cook. Like there are players like that. That's not my comp for him at all. I'm just saying like that kind of thing happens to running backs like that. So because I don't think that he has a lot of like quickness. He has a lot of speed. He doesn't have a lot of quickness to me. It's like straight line stuff. He's really good. Um, and a lot of the highlights I saw of him, it's like, there's just really nice holes for him to run through. And I didn't see a lot of him creating on his own. So why do you disagree with that? So I think he's a better interior runner than people give him credit for. I saw him avoid a lot of tackles in the backfield which is very tough to do. And I thought that AM offensive operation as a whole was just a mess. And I think he made the most, I think he squeezed every ounce he possibly could out of his situation. Uh, I do think, and again, so yes, he's a better interior runner than people give him credit for, but also while he's not sturdy and he's not powerful and he's not, his forte isn't necessarily breaking tackles. I think people overlook how he can run through some arm tackles. Uh, I think it was Mississippi State where like the first the first snap of the game was uh, like an eight-yard hitch and he broke like three tackles and still wasn't even like on the ground. They just had to rule forward progress stop because he fights more than he's given credit for. And then like the next snap, first down, or maybe two snaps later, like first down run short yard situations. And then a few plays later, he accelerates around the corner for another like 14 yards. And I think just that, that, series or two there was a microcosm of everything he can provide for you as a running back mm -hmm. also if he's not busy running track worrying about track and he is more now just a full-time 24 7 365 nfl football player and he's training for that what else is the is there that's untapped for him that maybe some other guys have already been doing for years, right? So there may be more uh, meat on the bone for Devin A. Chain as a prospect moving forward than some of these other guys. Okay. So I had Keandre Miller as my three. And I'll just preface it by saying, like, I think 
but if you don't, if you're not an elite talent at running back like Robinson and Gibbs are, when I look at running back prospects, I say if you're not that level, I want to see a guy that can be an every down back, but is also going to be like can be a thousand yard runner, right? Like before I'm looking for a thousand yard receiver at running back, I probably want you to be a thousand yard rusher. Like that's just my preference. And I, I feel that way about like Najee Harris, who I fell in love with a few years ago. Like he, he didn't really have breakaway speed. Uh, and I think that about Keandre Miller too. He doesn't have breakaway speed. He's not going to be a guy that gets you 15 touchdowns and things like that. Um, but I think he could be a really good grader in, in, in PFF and, you know, then a really good player in all 22. And I got like major Marshawn Lynch vibes. Like I think of all the prospects we've seen since Marshawn Lynch, this is the closest we're getting to that. And I don't think he's Marshawn Lynch, but I think like he's mean like that. And I saw that in his game, um, but he has patience. That was like, he has the meanness, he has the toughness, but he has patience too. And that's really rare at the running back position to be both of those things. So I really like that. Um, I think he has a future. I would love to see him in Buffalo. Yeah, running that uh, that cold weather with the weather with the flurries coming down behind him. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked him a lot. Uh, I had him as a, a forward, uh, leaning yards after contact type runner, not flashy but good size and power. Um, is also a, a young prospect at the position as well. I, I think it's funny we're talking about the better position groups on the offensive side of the ball in this class, and it's not a coincidence that they're also younger, right? I think a lot of these guys that we talk about as older prospects are because they weren't necessarily NFL ready at a young age, which is why they stayed in school. And so uh, players who are NFL ready at 21 years old tend to be better long-term than players who are not. Uh, Shocker there, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think uh, he had the knee injury late in the year last year, not like an ACL or anything. I think it was a meniscus, something, something to that effect. Um, so as long as like that checks out, I'm also really high on Kendra Miller. Um, I forget, did, sorry, did you, you had Bigsby at five? I had Bigsby at five. Yep. So I really like tank Bigsby. I think he's another one similar to Devin a chain where I think that offensive, uh, system situation, what have you was just kind of a mess. They had like no quarterback over there at Auburn, uh, very inconsistent passing game. Everyone had like checked out from the head coach before the season even began. But Bigsby was the dude that as an opposing defensive coordinator, as opposing defense, you had to focus on. They have another uh, really good running back uh, as well over there. The running backs at Auburn as a whole are actually really good. Um, I just think Bigsby brings everything to the table. He actually didn't test as well as I thought he would because on tape, I see great quickness. I see good speed, not not a chain speed or anything like that, but but uh, good enough speed, better than someone like uh, Najee Harris that you kind of brought up earlier, uh, and and some power. I I see a guy who can make people miss in multiple ways, and runs with some violence, and I really like that in a player. So to me, he's almost a complete back. To be totally honest, now he's not at the level of Bijan or Gibbs or anything like that, and and he doesn't have quite the big play ability or the threat of big plays as A-Chain does. But outside of that, I really like everything he brings to the table. And so you talk about, hey, can this back be a 1,000-yard rusher for me? I think Bigsby could absolutely be that type of player if he goes into the right situation. Couldn't agree more. And for a lot of the reasons you said, the one word I have next to his name is alpha because he really is an alpha football player. Like he just, he plays like a bully. Um, but besides that part of his game, I thought he had better body control than 
it gets talked about. He he does have really good body control. And I think I said this to you at, like right before the combine or right after that I was hoping he performed at a high level at the combine because he gave me Nick Chubb vibes. And I thought maybe he could be that level of prospect, but he didn't perform as well as I wanted to at the combine. So do I think he's good enough to be a starter in the NFL? Yeah, I definitely do. So I, I think he's worth drafting. And like I said, like there's 12 guys on my list that I think are worth drafting. I think he's one of those special players that, like you said, like he could be a thousand yard rusher. He's a guy that I definitely like. Um, another guy I had on my list that you didn't is Deuce Vaughn. So like I spoke a lot about Vaughn on our daily, so I don't need to go through the whole thing again, but I'll just quickly say, right. I think he's got like some of the best vision out of any of the backs in this draft. Um, he's stronger than he looks. He has really good speed. He has great vision. Um, and he reminds me a lot of like that Austin Eckler type football player, even though he's smaller than the already small Austin Eckler, uh, he's only five, six, but I think like when you watch his film, it's hard to say like this guy's not good enough to be a starting football player in the NFL. And I think in the right situation, he will be. So I'm curious, you didn't have him in your top six. Why is that? And let's remember those were big 12 defenders. Uh, I like, I like Vaughn. He's one of those guys. So yeah, I didn't have him on my list, but he's sort of in that list where I mentioned, Hey, this running back class is deep and it's because of guys like him where he's not the full package, right? Because of his size concerns and as tough as he is, that size does limit him to uh, certain roles where he simply can't break through that. Right. I mean, in pass protection, he is always going to get just rocked. It's just, it's just what it is. You cannot have him. You cannot line him up on a passing down and not have him run a route. Uh, you just can't, he's either getting the ball or running a route. He cannot stay in the backfield to block because he brings you next to nothing there. Um, other than that. Yeah. He's super slippery. He's explosive. Uh, I, I just have some concerns as once he's going up against NFL linebackers who have those big frames, can he break through some of those arm tackles and things like that, that he was able to do in college, or is he just going to be corralled by those bigger frames and not be able to get, get those extra yards or churn out, um, you know, those, those extra big plays once he sort of squirts through. So he's a dangerous player. I'm just not sure he's he's complete enough to have a big enough role on an NFL team to where he can be a top 20 running back in the league. For example, uh, I, I think he may just be limited by his size in that sense, but whenever he is asked to do something outside of pass blocking, right. And blitz pickup, I think he's going to excel at it for sure. Sure. I hate to like pile on a guy that I'm already like talking smack about, but like, James Cook, right? Like, I think Deuce Vaughn is such a better running back than James Cook is. And like, with all the hype that James Cook got last year, that's why I look at a guy like Vaughn and I'm like, he's so much better than him. So that's, I'll, I'll just end it there. But tell me, you had Spears on your list. I have him at eight on mine. So tell me why you had him top five. Oh, he's just so dynamic. I watch, I watch Spears and I'm like, he could be Tony Pollard. I, I see that in his game. Uh, I don't think he has quite the size of, of Tony Pollard. Uh, Pollard's actually bigger than he's giving credit for. I think he's like six foot, at least listed six foot 210. Mm -hmm. um, Spears is not quite that, right? Um, but 
on the whole, I just think he's a just a bona fide playmaker. Five nine, and he is two hundred and one pounds, and so it's like that old thing, right? It's like, oh, you're two hundred one, that's good, but if you're one ninety nine, it's not, right? Yeah. Um, I just I like he's he's just dynamic. You get the ball in his hands in space, he will make the first player miss, and there, there you go. That's a big play for you, right? You want your running back to make the first defender miss, and I think he does that so well. And he's so elusive with the ball in his hands, whether through the air or on the ground. I think he provides a nice weapon for an offense in a game where, you know, passing attacks are wide open, and that allows the the running game to be sort of a a box count, right? If you have a numbers advantage there, you give that to someone like Spears. I think he could take full advantage of that. He's not going to get 17 carries a game, but he's the type of guy where I could see uh, he has 1,200 plus yards at the end of the year between rushing and receiving. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I, um, my one note on him is I thought he was maybe the third best again, after those top two elite players receiving running back in this draft, I think his receiving ability is going to be huge for him. Um, so I liked your comp with Tony Pollard as well. The only other guy I wanted to talk about before we kind of switch positions is Zach Charbonnet. I think is how you say it. We both had him off of our list. I have him at nine. I'm curious if you have him ranked at all, but most other analysts I've seen have him three. So we're much lower on him. Do you have him ranked somewhere? And then let's talk about him a little. I I don't I don't usually start doing sort of numerical you know rankings after like five or six. Mm-hmm. It's kind of in that eight to twelve range for me. Uh, I just. I just didn't really see anything that really got me going when I watched his tape, right? right? I need you to have spring in your legs. I need plus either elusiveness plus power. I need something to bring to the table. Prove to me that you're more than just a guy who, when it's blocked for four yards, you'll get four yards and maybe you'll try really hard and get five and a half. I need someone who can take a four-yard play and turn it into eight or 12 or a 10-yard play and turn it into 20, right? Because other than that, if not for that, then I'll just take any other Joe Blow running back in the seventh round and and move on with my life. And he doesn't have that explosiveness at all. He's not dynamic enough. He kind of reminded me of a few years back. I forget the exact year now, but a lot of people really liked Davion Smith, uh, a running back heading into uh, into the NFL draft. I think he started at Michigan as well because, oh, he's balanced, he's well-rounded, he's, he's complete. Yeah, he's not athletic, but he does little things well and such and such and such and such. That doesn't, that doesn't do it in today's NFL. I need a differentiator on tape, and I don't see anything that allows him to set himself apart from any other running back prospect who's been running the ball their entire life. That's literally spot on. That's so spot on. So the note that I had is like, to me, there's the Khalil Herbert line in the NFL. Like you watch a guy like Khalil Herbert, who also probably doesn't have any elite traits, but you watch his film and you're like, okay, like a team can start him and be okay. Like he's good enough that he's startable and he'll be okay, but he probably doesn't have a single elite trait. And I look at a guy like Cabernet and I say to myself, he's not better than that. 
Like he doesn't do anything better than that guy does, right? So like, why do I think that he's going to go and be a starting running back in the NFL? He reminds me a lot of those running backs that will get drafted in the third, fourth, fifth round. And he's not going to be a starter right away. Something's going to happen to the starter two years from now. He's going to get six games as the starter. He's going to do okay. The fantasy community is going to go crazy for him. And then he's just, he's going to just be gone, right? He'll have like a very mediocre season. He'll get replaced by a rookie. Something will happen and he'll be off the radar in four years. That's just the kind of back he reminds me of, which is, which is mean, <laughs> which is really mean. So, but whatever. But okay. You want to go to receiver? Let's do it. All right. Uh, wide receiver. So number one, probably no surprise. If you heard the recent daily, I have Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio state. Number two, I have Jordan Addison out of USC. Uh, number three, Zay Flowers from Boston College. Number four, I have Josh Downs out of UNC. And fifth, I have Quentin Johnson, uh, Quentin Johnston out of TCU. Wow. Wow. Okay. I'm a little surprised. But our top three, pretty similar. I, I think that's probably going to be the least debate that we have. But I have Jordan Addison at one. I have Zay Flowers at two. I have uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba at three. I have Quinton Johnston at four, and I have Nathaniel Dell at five. So starting at the top, uh, I'll just talk, you know, we, we talked about these guys already, so we just can do it briefly. But Jordan Addison, I thought, was the best receiver in this draft from a pure, this guy's a great football player. He's going to go to the NFL, and he's going to be a really good football player. Because when you watch his tape, he's always the best guy on the field, besides maybe when he's playing with Caleb Williams, right? Like he he is consistently the best player on the field. Uh, he's, he gets open like none of the other receivers in this draft. I think he's the truest separator and the truest route runner of this draft draft. Um, and that's really not a knock on Jackson Smith and Jigbo because I think he's great at it too, but that's the level of separator and route runner. I think Jordan Addison is. So I'll start with that. I'll also just say with safe flower and Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, I, I like the, uh, the dynamic way that Zay flower plays receiver and could play receiver. Uh, he's another one of those guys where I thought that the team just didn't use him well. And I think when he goes to the NFL, we're going to see a different type of player than we saw in college. Um, both of those guys, I think, end up playing majority out of the slot. Um, and I think you get more of a dynamic playmaker with Flowers than you do in Jigba. Saying that, I think in Jigba is a much more polished route runner. I think he has a lot more polish to his game just completely. I think he's got the best hands out of any of the receivers of this group. Um, and I think he's going to be just like a really consistent football player. Uh, I, I just don't know if he, he's like the one of those three guys that I think I can never really see him being a top 10 receiver in the NFL. I think the other two guys have a chance. Yeah, uh, I, I can see all that. Um, they just didn't win my heart like Josh Downs did, but <laughs> uh, totally agree. Um, sometimes you get lured into this, not trap, but this consistent sort of when you're watching a quote unquote undersized slot receiver or slot receiver only player, you kind of see the same things. Okay. He's quick. A lot of times it's quicker than fast that that quick separation, uh, but maybe limited downfield uh, potential because they don't have the, the big catch radius. They're not a big target. Uh, you know, the teams have other players on the outside for stuff like that. Uh, you know, they have yak, but they're, they're not power players. The typical sort of cookie cutter template, if you will, for players like that. Um, 
And some rise above and are better than others when it comes to that, right? Like Zay Flowers, for sure. I love his game. And, and like I said, I have him actually uh, above Josh Downs, right? Um, but I think Josh Downs brings something different. And that's where while the uh, someone like Jordan Addison, right, in the role he's given is just a better player overall, they, they sort of fit into the mold that you've come to expect from a player with their size and profile and ability. Uh, and that's why I think Downs sort of ascended to where he is on my list. So what I like about Josh Downs is that he is a downfield player, despite being small. He plays bigger than his size and not necessarily because of strength, but uh, just just this overall, he just gets open downfield and just, I don't know, it's this smoothness to his game that isn't just this explosive cut and there's a separation at the top of my route. It's It's this almost lulls the defender to sleep and then explodes. And next thing you know, he's got four yards of separation on a deep corner route. Um, so I really like that. And and then at the same time in tight spaces, he he was prolific in the red zone, caught a lot of touchdowns. I don't have the number in front of me now uh, at North Carolina as well. So he was, he was good in those tight areas as well. Good punt returner. I just love everything about him. And I think he separates himself from someone even like Tank Dell to where they have all the traits that you see from great slot receivers and they do that very well. I just see more of a complete receiver ability from someone like Downs to where, yes, you see that with the other guys at the top of both of our lists. But for guys that profile similar to him from someone like Azay Flowers, who, again, I do have above Downs because I think he's just better at those things than Downs is, um, or Tank Dell, I think that's where we differ is that's why I have Downs where he is because I think he brings more to the table than just that. That's why, like, when you were saying it, I was kind of like, wow, like, it's really crazy. So, like, I feel like I should go back and rewatch some of it just because maybe my first and second take weren't, weren't there. And, you know, I trust you as a, as a, an evaluator, but I thought just based on what I saw, a lot of his game relied on contested catch stuff and not being the true separator that, you know, you mentioned, maybe you saw out of his game. So that's what I'm saying. Like, maybe I need to go back and watch some more, but I didn't see that separation enough as a true route runner. I also thought just like from a frame and with his skill set. It reminded me much more of the guys we see in the NFL that end up being number three receivers on teams. And they're not, again, like an every down player. Um, no pun intended on that one. Um, but I I did like some of the things about his game where I thought that his, his size and speed combo was better than a guy like Tank Dell. Um, but Tank Dell. So I love... Yeah, tell me about, tell me about I, Dell. I loved this dude, right? So, and it's funny because I hear uh, Sam Monson say a lot of the similar things that I saw when I watched his tape. I think he likes him a lot too, but he is one of the best bendiest athletes I've seen at the receiver position in some time. Um, that flexibility and that bend really help him on route running. So when you watch him run routes, like he's one of those guys where, and it's, it's probably one of the reasons you like Jerry Judy a few years ago, even though that I maybe didn't. Off the line of scrimmage, he's already doing things that are going to make you miss as a cornerback that help him get open, right? So he's he's one of those players where you can tell he works on his craft, right? Like he's doing things in the background that an average NFL evaluator just doesn't see. He's doing those things and has already made that a part of his game that that's going to be huge for him at the next level when he makes it to the NFL. Um, 
so getting off the line of scrimmage, I think he already wins a lot of his routes. Then just being a good route runner, which I think he is, he gets open pretty consistently. He knows how to get open. He knows how to break cornerbacks. You said, you've said a couple times now that being a receiver is not that difficult in the NFL in terms of what you actually have to do. I think Tank Dell knows that and uses the thing that you were saying, right? Sell deep, come back. Or sell him on what you want him to think you're doing and then break somewhere else. He does that better than a lot of the guys in this draft besides maybe the top, maybe even better than Zay Flowers, right? He does it better than Addison and better, or sorry, he does it worse than Addison and worse than Smith and Jigba. But I think that's probably an elite trait that he offers that a lot of the receivers in this draft do not have, right? And a reason why Addison and Jigba are special in this draft class. Um, But I know that he's small, right? He's super small. He does not have the frame. But I think that he can be a number two. Like he has the skill set where, like, again, kind of what I said about Addison to the Packers. Like, if a team has a guy like Christian Watson, he would be a perfect complement to that, right? A guy that can get open quickly. He's going to be more of a true route runner. Um, so I, I love that, right? And I think he's going to end up being a second round pick where um, some of these other guys maybe just don't deserve that. But he, I think, is one of those few guys in this draft that really does. Yeah. One other thing about Deltoon, I like that a lot. Um, actually, one thing to mention that I thought was impressive to me on tape was he was he was smart with how he ran his route too, in the sense that based on what the defense was doing, if he had a plan pre-snap and he had to abandon it post-snap, he would, right? So for example, he's in the slot. Uh, he He's facing what looks like some inside-out coverage. The linebacker to his inside blitzes to the quarterback. So now he's one-on-one with the defender who's got about eight yards of, of space to work with. Instead of sitting there trying to uh, press the outside shoulder of the defender before making his cut inside, he knows, okay, I have the inside open now, right? The defender to my inside just went after the quarterback. So now I'm hot. So I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to make my cut. And just the fact that I know I'm already quicker and faster than the defender who's given me eight yards of cushion already, I'm just going to run my route as is and then worry about this after the catch. And a lot of times receivers in college won't do that. They're, they're, they're so taught a certain way to, to, to run their route and so forth. They don't, it's not even a, um, uh, what's the word? I'm losing the word, right? But um, uh, not like a scramble drill, but in the sense of just that instinctive, okay, time to go, abandon abandon the initial plan, and I'm just going to take what the defense just gave me to my inside and make life easy for my quarterback. He does that naturally, and I loved that about him too. So it's not just, hey, I'm I'm quick, I'm fast, and I can get separation uh, in the slot, that sort of thing. No, it's I'm smart, and I know how to be a a, a quarterback-friendly receiver in important situations like on third down. So very impressed with with Dell. So um, I I see that as well, Uh, all the traits you mentioned. I'm I'm a big fan of his too. Uh, He didn't make my my, my top five, but uh, as someone who – like you said, it's not going to be the number one target, but someone who I can draft for a given role on my team and and be happy with the selection. I would love Tank Dell as, as a slot receiver in that offense. I think he's he's very quarterback friendly and will play for a long time, despite the size concerns. So we didn't talk about Kevin White. Sorry, Quentin Johnston. Um, <laughs> but we talked about him on the podcast, on the uh, daily, so maybe we don't need to do that. But is there any other receiver on this, you know, that you just want to mention, even if they didn't make your top five? Yeah, I have two, and and we'll start with uh, At Perry since we're we're on Quentin Johnston as far as big receivers go, right? So At Perry from from Wake Forest, he's like six five, 
uh, around 200 pounds when I have his weight right in front of me here. But uh, the long and short of A.T. Perry is he's big, he's agile, and he's smooth. Uh, he's not a strong player. And for 6'5", sometimes you kind of want to see that strong just kind of play above the rim and just like, uh, you know, maw some people, right? And he's not necessarily that. But most 6'5 receivers aren't really agile or smooth, and he is. And so that's intriguing to me. I didn't see enough on tape to put him in my top five or anything like that, but he moves better than you'd expect from a 6'5 player. And I like that. So that's someone I'm taking a chance on uh, if, if it's uh, the mid-third round uh, in the NFL draft and maybe we're down in the fifth or sixth round in all 22 when we're, we're past maybe that top 50 uh, sort of spot there. I'm starting to look at someone like A.T. Perry because there may be some upside there. Uh, you want to you say something about Perry or can I go to my second guy too? I got a double bonus for you. Yeah, no, keep going. So double bonus. I'm also going to struggle with words again here. I'm not sure if it's like deductive or reductive as far as what I'm about to explain. But a lot of times when I evaluate a player, right, I'm going through the boxes that I want to see checked, especially for given positions or certain traits I really want to see. But also as I go through evaluations, players will show me certain things that make me go, oh, okay, that's why I don't want to draft you or I don't want to draft you in the first 30 picks of, of the NFL draft or with the first three picks of my all 22 draft or what have you, right? That's, this is why I don't want to do that. And someone who doesn't have any of those things is Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma. So he didn't give me anything to really ding him on outside of just not having a very big frame. He's not the biggest guy, he's 5'11 or so, but he's got good arm length for a receiver and a bigger catch radius than you would think. And he's bursty and he's fluid and he's fast and he's, he's apparently a good character player. Um, and he's consistent when you watch that Oklahoma offense. So he doesn't run a full route tree but he didn't show me that he can't run a full route tree because again, he's fast and he's fluid. So he's got what it takes to run a full route tree. He just hasn't done that. and wasn't asked to do that in his college offense. So while he doesn't have um, sort of the, the plus tape and the plus athleticism to be ranked in the top uh, four or five in the, in the class, there's nothing that when watching him, stood out to me as a negative that would make me out or really sort of move him down my board either. So I'm pretty intrigued by Marvin Mims. Awesome. I love it. So we did it. We finished, we finished the offense officially now. So we'll start, we'll start talking about the defense on Monday and everyone, thank you so much for tuning in again. Uh, if you haven't yet, please give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at all 22 score underscore PFF and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you so much.